Thanks so much for listening to the Clifton Church of Christ sermon podcast. We really appreciate you taking the time to listen, and we hope if ever you're in Clifton, Texas, you'll stop by and say hello. We hope you enjoy this sermon. Okay, good morning, everybody. With all this thunder and stuff, I feel like I should start with a dark, gloomy day. <laughs> but no. Um, so first off, I wanted to start off with you know saying good morning to everybody, and um, just saying how thankful. And I speak for Samantha when I say this: how thankful for we are that y'all. Um, Y'all gave us this interning job and how much y'all have uh, done for us and how much y'all helped us in, uh, you know, making those two rooms. Uh, y'all, y'all gave us a lot of credit, but, I mean, we couldn't have done it with all the support and help that y'all gave us. And y'all, y'all didn't even need to. So, thank you. Um, so this morning I want to start with a story. Um, so how many of you did track when you were younger? You know, some of us might be like, yeah, I did. I uh, got a gold medal in this, and I got, I did this, I did high jump, I did that. Then other, others are like, track? Uh, that's, that's a dumb sport. You're running around in circles. Like, come on. Well, um, in middle school, that was exactly how I saw track. Not a fan at all. Um, it, was, it was the sport that, you know, I just hunkered down for a little while. and was like, if I could just get through track, I can get on with my life. So, of course, when high school came up, I was like, I already had it set in my mind, I am not doing track. I am not going to do track. I'm not going to touch that. I'm not going to put myself through that again. But as I was going through the process of deciding that, I made the mistake of making my head track coach aware of my decision six months before track even started. So uh, all that time before track season, uh, Coach Finney, our head track coach, uh, was on to me about uh, getting track. He made comments like, Seth, those long legs, you can get over those hurdles, no problem. Or Seth, you're doing track, aren't you? Or uh, Seth, I'm not going to have some long-legged giant walking around not doing track. <laughs> yes, a lot of comments like that. And the funniest thing about that was I was terrible at track. In middle school, oh, it's so bad. You might as well have reserved last place for Seth Williams because I would get last in almost everything. So I never understood why in the world he would want me to do track. It made no sense to me. But um, I later realized that uh, he wanted me to do track not because of the track athlete I was then, but because of the track athlete that he could help me become. Now you say, okay, I'm I'm going to get into the story of Gideon here, and uh, we're going to read a little bit and see how that uh, has to do with that story. So, Judges 6, 11, now the angels of the Lord came and sat under the Terabithia tree, which was in Ophoria, which belonged to Joash, the Ebezerite. While his son Gideon threshed wheat in the wine pressery in order to hide it from the Midianites. And the angels of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Now this is kind of funny because let's, let's stop and uh, look at this real quick. So he said he was threshing wheat. So what that is is uh, basically separating all the wheat grains from the rest of the wheat plant. It caused a lot of dust to rise up. So Gideon's over here threshing wheat. Uh, big dust clouds up and he's hiding behind it. So he's hiding behind the Midianites. And give you a little history, the Midianites are just been bullying the uh, Israelites right now. I mean, they just come over, kill their, kill their cows and their sheep just, just for the fun of it. So he's hiding from the Midianites, threshing this wheat. He's hiding, cowering behind this dust cloud in a 
the Lord come, uh, angel of the Lord comes and says, My mighty man of valor. Like, what? He's, Gideon's over here hiding behind uh, a, a dust cloud. I mean, I mean, I don't know about that. It doesn't look like a very a, a mighty man of valor to me. But let's read on. So Judges 6, 14 through 60. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go with this might of yours, and you shall save the Israelites from the hands of the, the Midianites. Have I not sent you? So he said to him, so he said to him, Ugh. So he said to him, O oh my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. So we see here that, you know, Gideon's no man, no mighty man of valor. I mean, you heard him, you heard him himself. He said, uh, he said that, um, that his, 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 his clan was the weakest in Manasseh. And on top of that, he was the least in his father's house. I mean, this is no mighty man of valor. But that's, what, that's exactly what makes this story so amazing. See, God doesn't see or define us by the conditions that we're in now. He sees us and defines us by the great plans He has for us. You don't have to be a great speaker or a social expert or a Bible know-it-all for God to use you. Um, J.D. Greer, this is a, a preacher that me and Samantha will listen to sometimes, he, uh, he said once, um, he said, God doesn't call the brave. He makes brave those He calls. So let me say it in another way. God doesn't call the equipped. He equips those that he calls. So, yeah, I know, it's pretty cool. So, so God doesn't, but of course, this, is, this is, uh, isn't that easy, though. That's, it's a good phrase, but God doesn't just snap his fingers and Gideon becomes this mighty man of valor, right? There's things that have to happen. You know, God doesn't work that easy. So, we go over here, go on, and we see that... Um, Judges 6.27. Um, so Gideon took... Oh, sorry. Let me back up real quick. So before this, I'm skipping around just for lack of time. But um, so we know, we know what's happened so far. God, God's told Gideon what's, what's going to happen and what he needs him to do, what, what his plans are. And so next what happens is uh, God, God asks Gideon to perform a few sacrifices. I encourage you to actually read this to see what all goes on there. But um, God tells Gideon basically that he has to destroy the altar of uh, Baal. So Baal's uh, the God that the Israelites have been worshiping uh, because they've fallen away from God. So God says, go and destroy the altar to Baal. So Gideon's like, okay, we see here in Judges 6.27, he says, So Gideon took ten men from among his servants... And did as the Lord said to him. But because he feared his father's household and the men of the city too much to do it by day, he did it by night. Now, still, no, no mighty man of valor, but hey, God's, God is working on it. But um, the thing is, is, Gideon had to have faith. So, I, you know, um, going back to God doesn't call the brave, he makes brave those he calls. It's a process. And it's not something, like I said, God doesn't just snap his fingers and you become brave. You have to have faith and put forth the effort to, um, to have God work in your life like that. So, if you, uh, so let me back up on our notes right here. So Gideon had faith that God would do, things that, that do the things that he said. So if you're, if you're waiting on God to equip you or tell you everything you need to know before you make a decision to go on a mission trip or talk to someone about Christ or even uh, 
make those first steps of ba- to be baptized, then you're never going to be ready. You see, in the story of Gideon, God comes to Gideon and tells him the plans that he has for him. And Gideon is like, Gideon's like, like what? I'm not qualified for this. I don't. You need to. You need to get me all ready. You need to. You need to make me a man of be this mighty man of valor, and then I'll do what you say. But that's not how God works. You see, um, and what's really cool is uh, uh, God. God tells him that, and then we go back here to Judges. Back, we're backing up on this highlighted part here, Judges six sixteen. He says, and the Lord said to him, right after Gideon's, you know, saying that, oh, I'm just not worthy. He says, surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. So that kind of reaffirms God. Uh, I mean, reaffirms Gideon, sorry. And uh, Gideon's like, I can't do this. Like, I'm not qualified. And God says, surely I will be with you. See, God has already said that to us. Uh, God has already said, surely I will be with you when he sacrificed his son on the cross for, the, for our sins. So now it's up to you to take that first step in whatever decision you have in your life. Um, God doesn't always make those big decisions comfortable. But he asks us to get out of our comfort zone and get out, get out of uh, the parts of our life that we control. He wants us to get out of those comfort zones and just say, God, I, I can't do this. I need your help. And this, and this, this is in your hands, God. Um, and God will make you brave, and he will equip you. You just have to let him by faith. So, okay, that was deep stuff, but we're going to keep on going here. Um, so, back to Judges 6.27. As I said, so Gideon took ten men from among the servants, and he went out, and he was afraid of the uh, men of the city waking up and finding him, right? Well, we're not reading that yet, but... So the next morning, the men of the city um, arose, and they saw the altar of Baal was torn down. So the men of the city say to uh, Joash, they say, let let Gideon out. Um, We need to kill him. And Joash is like, shoot, he's going to get me. And so um, Joash, Joash goes... If, if Baal is, this, is some great man, if Baal is this, this great uh, god, then let him come down and smite Gideon. And then the men of the city are kind of like, well, I guess that's fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. So, see what happens after you know, Gideon does that. Judges uh, 6.23. Therefore, on that day, he called him Jerubbabel, saying, let Baal plead against him because he hath thrown down his altar. So now Gideon has a cool nickname, so he's looking a little bit more like a man of valor because he's got to have a cool nickname. It's like a superhero name. Okay, so later in this chapter, God asks... Later in this chapter, uh, Gideon's, Gideon's about to go to war um, to defeat the Midianites, and Gideon's like, okay, God, I mean, you, you, you took care of me then, but it's like, how do I really know you're with me? And so Gideon's like, how about this? How about this? I have this fleece, and... Uh, I'm going to set it on the ground, so if the fleece is wet and the ground around it is dry, then I'll know you're with me. So Gideon goes to bed, and he wakes up the next morning. It's done. Gideon's like, ah, that was too easy, God. That was too easy. Let me, let me, let me do one more on you. We can really find out what's going on. So then, um, so then Gideon says, I, what I meant to say was let the fleece be dry and the ground around it wet. So God does it, and Gideon's like, well, I've run out of fleece things to do. Now I've got to trust that God's with me. So chapter 7 here. 
Um, so this chapter opens up with then Drubable. So they're already using a superhero name. So then, um, already, uh, Gideon, Gideon has his army of men and they're going to the camp of uh, the Midianites. And the Midianites have about 100,000 men and Gideon's over here with about 32,000 men. So already we see a major disadvantage, but look here and see what God does in uh, verse 2. Here we go. The Lord said to Gideon, You have too many men. I cannot deliver Medina into your hands, or Israel would boast against me, saying, My own strength has saved me. So Gideon's over here like, Oh gosh. We've got to barely pull this one off with 32 men. But we can do it. We can do it. Then God says, no, it's too many. You need, to, you, need to, you need to cut some of them guys. Gideon's, I imagine Gideon was like, what? But uh, we'll read on. So God tells Gideon, this, this is how he does it. So God tells Gideon, anyone uh, who trembles in fear may leave. So 22,000 people left and 10,000 remain. So now we're down to a 10 to 1 ratio. We went from 3 to 1, now we're down to a 10 to 1. So uh, I imagine Gideon's like, okay, you just got rid of a good portion of the army, but that's okay. He's like, 10 brave men, I could see that. I could see that, you know, we pulling out. Yeah. Then God goes, um, no, no, you need to cut them down one more time. Um, he says, I, Gideon, take them down to the water. And so... So Gideon, Judges 5 and 6. So Gideon took the men down to the water. There, there the Lord told him, Separate those who lap the water with their tongues as the dog laps from those who kneel down to drink. Three hundred of them drank from the cupped hands, lapping like dogs. All the rest, of, all the rest got down on their knees to drink. So there are three hundred men now. So we went from a... 3 to 1 ratio, 10 to 1. Now we're at 300 to 1. So I imagine Gideon at this point is like, there's no way. Only, only God could, could make this happen. And I, I think going back to that verse when uh, God said, you have to cut him down or Israel will boast against me. I think he, he knew that Gideon in his mind was going, you know, 32, we could do it. 10,000, 300, no. We, we have to have God to do that one. I imagine Gideon doing that. So, so to sum up what they did, um, the 300 men surrounded uh, Medina and the Medina camp, and they uh, didn't even bring any weapons. It was just uh, God. God had told Gideon uh, in a dream to equip uh, the men with a trumpet, a torch, and basically a glass jar. And they all surrounded the camp and. Uh, they all at once, from Gideon's single, this is, and this is at the middle of the night, and uh, so all the Midianites are asleep, and they make a lot of noise, they slam those jars on the ground to imitate drawing swords, like a, a thousands and thousands, hundreds of thousands of men are surrounding him. The Midianites just freak out. I mean, they get so freaked out that they start chopping away at each other, and uh, so yeah, it's not, not too good. And so they, they're out, and God has delivered the Israelites out of the hands of the enemy once again, like he's already done many times before. That leads me to my last point. So then, uh, you see, before God led Israel, the Israelite army to victory, he first weakened them. And he says back there he weakened them because Israel would boast against him, saying, my own strength has saved me. You see, 
I think that's relevant in our own lives. Sometimes we limit what God can use for our lives, saying, God, you can have this, but uh, you, you, don't, you don't touch this because I, I handle that. God, um, I'll be praying about that babysitter, and uh, I'll, I'll let you handle that one. But, uh, but my income, yeah, you don't touch that, God. Don't touch it. I'll pray about it, but really, it's just for appearances. I don't need you to touch that, okay? You see, God doesn't, God doesn't see our lives um, as we see our lives. God sees the beginning and the end and everything in between. He sees that we're guarding those spots in our life, and so he might weaken us there so that we stop and go, God, I need your help. You see, just like, just like Gideon, I think, did when he, when he got to 300 men, he said, God, there's no way I can do this by myself. I need you. I'm going to have to have the power of you to help me defeat the Midianites. So, God, uh, he might weaken us. He might cut us in our income. He might uh, make a... Uh, he might... Uh, some of those moments that God could weaken us is cut in our income or maybe a family member might get sick. But not because God is trying to uh, hurt us. It's because God sees the rest of our life and what could happen. He sees that some of those moments will either make us or break, break us. Sometimes when God wants to use us, he first weakens us. Because God doesn't call the brave. You see, he makes brave those he calls. So if you're guarding some of those, those uh, spots in your life, there will be some elders uh, at the exit doors uh, that would be more than willing to talk to you about that. Um, uh, I encourage you, they'll, they, they'd love to. Um, and as we stand and we sing.